Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. And it's important to be honest. It's important to be honest. And honestly... That grumbling sound in the background again. It's going to be the death of me. It has literally, I've been sat here all afternoon working. Nothing. Nada. Neat. Now, here's the thing. You've got pets, haven't you? Uh Uh-huh. What have you got? Two cats. Yeah, I've got a cat. You ever thought of having a cow to cuddle? A cow? My my, uh, cousin's husband is a dairy farmer. And I met cows once. They're big and scary. They are big, aren't they? Huge. Much bigger than they look in the field. <laughs> Don't Let's not go down the Father, Father Ted route. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I came across an article in the Telegraph um, about the idea that, um, well, the headline is, anyone for cow cuddling? Okay. I'm not going to put my hand up. Well, meet the new breed of therapy animals. Okay. Um, now, the... Uh, the, the the next headline is cows aren't just soothing visitors cows aren't just soothing visitors worries at this farm in east yorkshire they're saving it from financial ruin so we've heard you know, constantly we hear about the challenges that farmers are facing having to diversify, diversify yeah. the markets you know screwing them tighter and tighter and tighter on profits so a bit of diversification i could cuddle a cow now because that somebody's just turned up that that rumbling Oh, I can cuddle a cow. (laughs) (laughs) That's not quite what I had in mind. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, it's all right. Anyway, this farm are um, holding regular cow cuddling sessions. They've been doing it for nine months. Is it legal? I don't think there's any um, any law against it. Okay, they're just cuddlings then. They're just cuddlings, yes. There's nothing more than a cuddle. We're very much on first base with the cow cuddling. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, the, the guy who, who wrote this article, who's called Jack Rear. <laughs> I don't just notice that. Let's gloss over that. Jack, as he likes to be known when he's cuddling cows, um, is sitting on a bed of straw between Grandma Snowflake and Cuddlepuff. Is that the name of the cows? Yes, and behind him a crocus, kerry and saffron. I take it these cows are dairy cows and not ones destined for the plate. The, the, you I don't tend to name your steaks, do you? I don't think... No, no. Okay. Um, but the guys, they are dairy cows, and basically he was saying that, you know, they, they're just really, really struggling. So um, he bought some Highland cows um, so that they could graze the land, keep the, the farm... You know, keep the grass cut basically okay. um, and then they decided on this um, this diversification they couldn't bear to part with some of the cows so they're highland cows they they have quite an appealing lot but don't they have big horns well these are the females which I think have a different temperament but there's actually a picture of him grooming one of them and he's got her hair up in a ponytail on top of her head which oh is my. the cutest cutest thing um, anyway um, so they start basically what they're doing is rewilding the land, but also they're keeping these these um, these cows for cuddling. And uh, there's a load of information about the decline of the the dairy market, etc. Um, but 
they said that uh, they started bring, practicing bringing people in um, during the spring. Uh, the cows have got used to it, and um, and now they seem to quite like it. So people just sort of sit. The cows sit, and people can sit and lean against them. And you're right, cows are really big, aren't they? Mm. And again, we hear lots of stories about cows stampeding people. But there is something a bit like a horse. There's something, you know, when the the air is coming out of their nostrils and you can feel like the power of the animal. I think that could be quite comforting because you could feel quite safe, quite protected. As long as it's, you know, not going to do anything terrible to you okay but I, yeah i quite like it uh, anyway so, so with, you'd cuddle a cow i think i'd give it a go yeah yeah okay. i think i'd give it a go but it led me to thinking about animal therapies and how you know increasingly we start to think about um you know they've said for a long time that like in nursing homes they've had dogs come in or cats you know stroking animals actually is 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 good yeah, for us yeah. So being close to those animals. So then I found an organisation, an article from 2021, a place in um, Hav- near Haverford West. Um, they've got alpacas. Do they cuddle the alpacas? Yeah, you can go and cuddle, cuddle them. So it's a sheep farm, but they brought in um, a few alpacas and they have wellbeing and therapy sessions with the alpacas. Uh, and it's... There's all sorts of proven statistics around why we do these things. Um, I think it sounds very interesting, but I I no desire to cuddle a cow, but I would quite like to see you cuddle a cow. So if you can invite me along, I'll take the photographic evidence. Alpacas, I'd like to meet one. I'm not sure I want to go too close, though. A little bit nervous about all things horse-shaped. Alpacas are like a horse yeah. and a giraffe because they've yeah. got quite a long neck on them. True. Yeah, and a bit woolly. Yeah, I, I think any animal, if you treat it with respect, don't surprise it. I think like like the guy was saying about the cows, the cows had to get used to it. If the cow didn't want you to sit next to it, I'm pretty sure... Yeah. To just roll on you. It would roll on you, yeah. Can I cuddle a panda? Well, they were, can you cuddle a panda? Aren't they quite... You can't cuddle a polar bear, I know that. No, no. How about red panda? don't know. I suppose it's... Shall I Google, can you cuddle a panda? Because I don't know what we're going to get. Some weird feckish website. cuddle... Oh, my God, it actually found that. It put. It offered that up. What, a fetish website? No, as the first... I hadn't even got to a panda. I just put, can you cuddle a... And it suggested a panda. Panda. Um, It's not a good idea. Okay. (laughs) They've got sharp teeth and sharp claws. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, they've got those funny... Yeah, long nails. Yeah, yeah, like funny... Like a gruffalo. Yes, like a gruffalo. Exactly. So, yeah, so don't do that. But the reason why it's good, if we didn't already know it, is that it reduces cortisol levels in the brain, which can calm your mind and reduce um, health issues that um, that you might be experiencing. So uh, and it can help with depression, um, stress, grief. Also get a pint of milk while you're at it, maybe. 
Yeah, well, I, I see now I'd struggle with that because I don't really like milk and I certainly don't like warm milk. Mm. My, my cousin uh, had been known to serve a jug of fresh from the cow. I don't like milk anyway. But, uh, yeah. Mm-mm. Fresh from the teat. No. No, thank you. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's, but that was um, your thing. That's my thing, yes. So my thing was, was um, prompted by... Um, just people, I've, I've heard too many people doing this, looking back to the past and, and sort of saying, oh, not in my day, or wasn't it better then? Or You're just hanging out with old in people. In the good old days. I don't know, even younger people are saying it now. I'm like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> we really are old. Yeah. If the youngsters are saying that. It's got a name, though. Has it? Rosy Retrospection. Okay, is that like the rose-tinted spectacles sort of yeah, view? Yeah, it is. Um, it's a psychological phenomenon of people sometimes judging the past disproportionately more positively than they judge the present. Is that a bit like when you when you think back to your childhood, you don't remember the days when it was absolutely pouring with rain and really, really horrible. You just remember playing outside. Yeah, yeah, there's a... a, a a good little bit of research I did. I didn't go too far down the well, I did. It's a massive long email I sent to myself for the research. I'll share a few useful bits. Okay. So now here's the thing. It's um, in a Latin phrase called memoria praeteritorum bonorum. Okay. Um, which trans- translates as a memory of good past. Or idiomatically... The good old days. <laughs> so we've been doing it since forever. But that would suggest that there wasn't a good old days, was there? If every generation talks about the good old days, we haven't steadily just been getting worse and worse. I think if we look back, there were some fairly shit times <laughs> in the past, you know. Um, I did read that it's closely related to the concept of nostalgia. But rosy retrospection is actually known to be a cognitive bias. So nostalgia is reminiscing. Yeah. This is... Nostalgia tends not to be so biased in its perspective. And rosy retrospection distorts a view to the extent um, that actually they think it serves a useful purpose. Okay. So it can increase self-esteem and an overall sense of well-being. Okay. I mean, I can actually, I can imagine that because if you just look back and thought everything was shit and it's still life, and it's going to be shit. You'd be like, what was the point of all of that? Whereas at least if you can hark back to the good old days. Yeah, and and tell yourself that there was... There was a good time. There was a positive time. There's another theory as well, which is that it makes it easier for people to store long-term memories. So by simplification and exaggeration of memories, it removes the burden of those memories on the brain. So you have fewer neural connections needed to ingrain the memory, so you simplify. But you cut out... The bad bits. So is it easier from a storage point of view? It's like data compression. Is it easier to remember good things than it is bad things? Hmm. 
Or is it that you... Oops, sorry. What was that? Whack. Whacked me HDMI really cable. Just, just reassure the listener. No. She, she hasn't hit me yet. Not yet. No. No. Yeah, so it's a simplification. I don't know um, whether it's easier to remember good things or more pleasant or more beneficial mm. to remember the good things. Maybe it is easier to remember good things. Um, also... Another reason that they give in this article is that humans fear the unknown. So we often assume a situation will be worse than it ends up being. Yeah. Yes, I think we're pretty good at catastrophizing or, well, although some people are um, overly optimistic. Um, there's another there's another word that I, another term that I learned about though, rosy retrospection, which was new to me, but... We sort of knew rose-tinted glasses. So. Mm. Um, the concept of declinism. Don't know. So this is where people say things were better in the, in the old days or back in the day. And it's a view in the past more favourably and the future more negatively. So that's called declinism. Okay, so that's, that's more about as we go forward forward we're just literally going to hell in a handbasket yeah it's a little experiment done on it three groups of people going on different holidays were interviewed before during and after most followed the pattern of initially positive anticipation followed by mild disappointment but then reviewing the events more favorably sometime after they'd occurred so, oh, yeah, so they had filtered all the bad bits. Yeah, so they looked forward to it with mild anticipation. I think they needed to have planned a better holiday. Mild disappointment, but then actually that was really good. So, yeah, just remembering the positive things. Is there also something... So we're approaching the end of this year, aren't we? And I... I hate New Year's, not New Year's Eve necessarily, but so here we are at the end of November and I'm kind of like, I know the sort of year that 2023 was. Yeah. When we go into 2024, I have no idea whether this is going to be a good or a bad year. And so I look forward more anxiously into yeah, that the year. the fear of the unknown. Yes. Yeah. So even though there will have been things through this year that have been really pants, I probably will be more likely to forget those because they're certain. You want to hold on to them? Yeah, or they're certain. They're, yeah. You know, they they definitely happened, rather than what lies ahead next year is unknown. Mm. So I wonder because it doesn't really matter what day it is, does it? Really, you know, it's not. Yeah, the fact it's November has got no bearing on whether or not no, it, this has been a good year or a bad year. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So a little bit more that might, might help with this. And so I dug into um, the meaning of nostalgia. So this was in Psychology Today. Uh, Neil Burton wrote an article uh, a few years ago. Uh, obviously, yeah, he defines it as sentimentality for the past, typically particular period or place with positive associations. Uh, the good old days. Uh, he says that it combines a sadness of loss with the joy or consolation that the loss is complete, is not complete, sorry, 
and never can be. So mortal though we are, he says, whatever little life we have snared from the legions of death is forever ours. Rather grand. That is rather grand. So he goes on to say, our everyday is humdrum, often even absurd. Nostalgia can lend us much-needed context, perspective and direction, reminding and reassuring us that our lives are not as banal as they may seem, that it is rooted in a narrative and that there have been and will once be again meaningful moments and experiences. So we kind of have to believe that, don't we? Otherwise, we would be sat here going, what is the point? Yes. Otherwise, you know... Yeah. And, and of course, that, for some people, as they age, well, you know, we all go through, as we become older, we start to think more about the fact that we won't always be here. Yeah. And hopefully most of us can, can contain that thought. But for others, it could be overwhelming if yeah. they're at a point of total dissatisfaction. If Imagine if you haven't got the good old days to look back at and you assume that, what, what was that term, the negative... Uh, decline, you know, the, the things yeah. are just literally going downhill. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's more pronounced in uncertain times. Mm. So when the, when we've got change, uh, it's also more common on cold days or in cold rooms because it makes us feel warmer. Oh. So you can understand that, that whole... Because you, you voiced that, didn't you? Times have changed, that, that moving from one year into yeah, the next, that yeah. whole mythology around it and actually the nostalgia is more comforting than the mm. unknown that's coming uh, it also says here that it, it serves a similar function to anticipation uh, defining anticipation as enthusiasm and excitement for some expected or hopeful positive event it's very poetic this article he says the hauntings of times gone by and the imaginings of times to come strengtheners and lesser times. It supplies us with substance and texture and reminds us of their lack and in the reminding moves us to compensation. Unfortunately, this compensation often takes the form of spending, uh, which marketeers exploit and so can sell everything from music, clothes, cars and houses using nostalgia. Isn't that true? Yes. Well, Christmas is a case in point, isn't it? That... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, quality street. And in fact, I was watching a, a documentary. The other, I just caught the end of it and they were talking about chocolate. Yeah. Um, and one of the big chocolate guys, can't remember if it was Roses. Is it Roses or Quality? The one that still have the quality street, the ones that still have the twists. And they said, that's not going because that's part and parcel. Yes, yeah. It says, it says also in this article, nostalgia is a form of self-deception. De- it involves distortion and idealisation of the past because the bad or the boring bits are erased. Yes, it's the same as rosy retrospection, leaving only peak experiences. So if overindulged, can give rise to utopia that never existed and can never exist. And these are the things that sometimes worry me when people say, oh, it's not like in our day, whatever it's like. Mm. Just think back how you were as a mm. young child, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Was it all was it really all that rosy then? <laughs> yeah, I still wonder why we do it. It says here, for many people, paradise is not so much a place to go as a place 
they think they came from. It's quite profound, though, mm. isn't it? And it's also linked to um, saudade or saudade, which is a Portuguese word for love and longing for someone or th- something that has been lost and may never be regained. Mono no aware, which is a Japanese term, the pathos of things. Um, Wabi sabi, which is uh, an aesthetic of impermanence and imperfection based in Zen Buddhism. Isn't that, I thought that was like green stuff that's really hot like horseradish. <laughs> Wabi sabi. And, and my pronunciation here, senshu. Shoot. It's yeah. no good looking at no. me. I don't know what you German saying. for longing or craving. But then it reminded me that's Herias as well. Have you heard that mm, term? Yeah. The Welsh term. So I had to go and look that up because this guy had missed Herias from his article. Uh, Herias, uh, there's a really good article if you want to look it up on the BBC. And um, that's the blend of homesickness, nostalgia, and longing. A pull on the heart that conveys a distinct feeling of missing something that is irretrievably lost. It doesn't mention it in this um, in in this article on the BBC, but I think it still has that sense of was it really there? Was it was it actually there? So it is yeah. that sort of a, an element of rosy retrospection. The Harif bit is interesting, isn't it? Because as a child, I used to get terribly homesick if I was away, staying with my grandmother or anywhere. And I'd be desperate to get home. And then when I got home, it's like, oh, oh this is home. And I don't know if that was like a bit of FOMO, you know. It's a little bit, is it a longing something... to be somewhere? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's, yeah, subconsciously, because you thought everybody was having a great time without you. But even, you know. And they when... were, yeah. And they I obviously mean, were, yeah. They just uh, scaled it all down yeah, and they came back. To... <laughs> See the pedals come in, pretend it's boring. <laughs> But, like, even if you go on holiday, you know, some people, they say, oh, yeah, we've been away long enough now. You know, I just want, you know, I just want to go home, want my own bed or whatever. And then you get home and you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're here. Why aren't we? Instantly, I want to go back to <laughs> wherever I've come from. We're fickle. I think there's another term for that. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. <laughs> yeah, rosy retrospection and declinism. And hugging cows. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. If I'm, you're suffering from declinism, go hug a cow. Go hug a cow, and you'll find that you get a better hug from a cow now than you used to. Should we? Should we give a warning? Don't just go and hug a random cow. No. Make sure it's an organised event. An, an organised cow. Mr. Rear. Yeah, not Mr. Rear. He was the author, the oh, right, okay. journalist. Yeah, don't just randomly just rear a cow. <laughs> Now Here's a Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. <laughs> <laughs>